Hi and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10am or 4pm service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service. And, um, you know, a church of influence doesn't happen randomly, right? Uh, church Unlimited won't have unlimited influence randomly. Your future isn't entirely controlled by random circumstances, but by methodical action. Uh, Adam and Eve weren't randomly kicked out of the garden. Who knows that there was a method of disobedience? Um, uh, Joseph doesn't randomly get thrown into a pit. Who knows that someone went through a method of digging a hole? Um, David doesn't randomly uh, throw a stone at a, at, at a giant and defeat the giant. Who knows that there was a method of gaining skill? Uh, Frodo doesn't randomly find himself on the edge of Mount Doom throwing in the ring that rules them all. Who knows that there was a method of journey? Tony Stark doesn't randomly find himself in some Iron Man type suit. Who knows there was a method of creativity? Anakin Skywalker doesn't randomly become Darth Vader. Who knows there was a method of anger? By the way, those last three analogies aren't in the Bible. Okay, I saw some of the back going, Anakin Skywalker, where's this? Oh, here we go, in a galaxy far, far, fantastic. How you treat the presence of Jesus has present and eternal consequence, right? Uh, You won't have influence randomly, but there are things that we can do Methods that we can take, the way that we live, that will determine uh, whether we live the life that Jesus wants you to live or doesn't, or 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 you walk away from that and reject that life. Uh, I want to preach a thought this morning called the Jesus Year. What would your life look like if, for the next twelve months, for the next year, that you followed the calling and teaching of Jesus like you haven't never done before? What would your life look like if, for the next twelve months, you followed Jesus? Um, I don't know if you've ever watched. Uh, cycling race, you know, bike racing. Uh, maybe you've seen cyclists on the road. Uh, maybe you've wanted to run some cyclists off the road. Uh, um, you know, it, they ride in a group and the group is called the peloton. And there's always one person that, at the front of the peloton that everyone else is riding behind. And what that person does is they cut through the friction of the air. And the, all the people behind that rider, they can ride a lot smoother. They can ride with less energy. What would your life look like if you were to ride, if you were to do your life this year in the peloton of Jesus, what would your life look like if you were to get into Jesus's aerodynamic? What would your life look like if instead of you having to fight your battles yourself, Jesus was cutting through the friction of circumstance and you were behind him, right, in that circumstance? What would your life look like? I can tell you what it would look like. It would look like a year of release. It would look like a year of release from debt. Right? It would look like a year of release of the Spirit's anointing. In your life, there would be a release of souls for the church. Right, There'd be a release of expansion, a release from hurt, a release of financial blessing, a release of the call of Jesus, and a release of hunger and presence for His truth. Because here's the thing. You can do one or two things with Jesus' presence this year. The first thing that you can do with Jesus is this. You can damn Jesus. You can damn Jesus up. The picture behind me is of the river Mekong and the river Mekong has been dammed up 
It was a river that was teeming with life, a river that had life all around it, in it and through it. But somebody dammed it up and now there's no life in that river. That river's now dead. You can decide to live that life if you want where you damn Jesus, right? And you say, you know what, Jesus? I'm just gonna have you when I need you. When I need a little bit of hope, you know, then I'm gonna turn the tap on. When I need a little bit of healing, then I'll turn the tap on, right? Don't live a life where you're damning up Jesus, right? Don't have Jesus when you want Jesus, but let Jesus do what Jesus wants to do in your life when Jesus wants to do stuff. The river behind me hasn't been dammed up and it's full of life, life in it, life all around it, right? I don't know about you, but I wanna live a life where Jesus is doing what Jesus wants to do in my life whenever Jesus wants to do it. And let me tell you, when Jesus does that, there's a release. There's a new release for you this morning. So my question is, what would your year look like if you followed Jesus like you've never done before? And so I want to unpack that question today, right? If you followed Jesus, what would your life look like? I think the first thing that we need to, I guess, look at though is this. If I'm following Jesus, where is Jesus taking me? Right? Because Jesus isn't random. Okay? Jesus takes us somewhere. So I want to look at four things today that'll keep us on track. Number one, uh, what Jesus said he would do, what Jesus did, and then uh, what is Jesus doing? Okay? So we're going to look at what happens when we do follow Jesus. Number two, I want to show you this word Shemitah. Everyone say Shemitah. Shemitah. And no, it's not a, a, a swear word that we find in the Bible. Okay? I'm, I'm going to show you what this word means and how it's relevant to your life. Then we're going to look at what did Jesus mean when he said that? Jesus says something particular, peculiar. And we're going to look at that. What did Jesus mean when he said that? And then we're going to finish off following the flow. What does it look like to follow the flow of Jesus? Happy? Good? We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Number one, what is the flow of Jesus? Where's Jesus going to take me, right? What did Jesus say he's going to do? What did Jesus do? And then what is Jesus doing? Jesus begins his ministry by outlining his intention. And we find it in the book of Luke. And it says this, that he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up on the Sabbath, uh, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was, he, as was his custom. He then reads from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61, he reads from specifically. And the book of Isaiah was this prophecy that the Israelite people were waiting for this great Messiah, this great savior type person. And the book of Isaiah is this prophecy of who this Messiah will be. This person that will release them from debt, the person that will release them from oppression, the person that will, leave, uh, will release them from, from political persecution, from spiritual oppression. Jesus stands up and he reads this. And in verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. There's that word release. For the prisoners and recovery of sight of the blind, release. To set the oppressed free, there's released. Then I want you to check this out because we're going to come back to this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I want to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour over you this morning. We're going to look at that just in a moment. But for thousands of years, the Jewish people are waiting for this great Messiah, for this person that the Holy Spirit is on, this person who's going to uh, release them from the shackles of uh, political uh, um, uh, slavery. And Jesus comes and he says, hey, it's me. I'm here, right? I'm the Messiah. I'm this great Savior. Hello, it's me you're looking for, right? That's a Lana Ritchie song, isn't it? <laughs> Hello. 
looking for. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your smile. You were all I've ever wanted. And my arms are open wide. Maybe Jesus sung some Lionel Richie. Who knows, right? Because <laughs> you know just what to say. And you know just what to do. And I've always wanted to tell you. Do you know it? Three, two, one. I love you. Oh, round of applause. Round of applause. Well done. Lionel Richie in church. And I know what you're thinking. Why did James get Ray here when they could have got that guy to sing? And uh, who knows, right? Jesus might have sung a little bit of Lionel Richie, but Jesus is saying, hey, it's me. The Spirit of God's on me. Here's my intention. Check this out. Jesus' cousin, John, he's in prison. And he hears Jesus say this. He hears Jesus' intention. But John gets put in prison, doesn't get to see what Jesus actually did. Did Jesus actually do what Jesus said he would do? And so John asks his disciples, go out and find out what Jesus is actually doing. So the disciples go and they see Jesus. And Jesus says this, go tell John in Luke 7.22. It says, then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus didn't just have an intention, but Jesus had an action. And I'm praying that there's more action of Jesus in your life than intention. That we wouldn't live a life where, you know what, in 2022, I intend to be closer to Jesus. No, right? You will thrive at the level of your action. You will die at the level of your intention, right? Don't have an intention to have Jesus in your life. Choose to have Jesus and walk with Jesus. Not only did Jesus do this, but Jesus still does this today. This church believes in miracles. This church believes that Jesus still moves. You know, uh, in our own church, we've seen Jesus in the last six years do amazing things, right? We've seen people uh, healed of cancer in our church. Uh, we've seen people uh, who went, uh, one guy went for a surgery, back surgery, had pins in his spine. There's no more pins there anymore. I don't know why, right? Jesus still does miracles today, right? There's people in this church who have withstood the storms of life. There's people in this church who have been set free from addictions, right? Who have been set free from the oppression of sin. That's a good thing. Come on. Right? Jesus still does these things today. And so you can know that when you flow and follow Jesus, Jesus' intention is to bring a release. A release of what? A release of anointing. A release of vision a release of freedom in your life when you follow Jesus. This is Jesus' intention. This is what Jesus did. And this is what Jesus is still doing. When you flow with Jesus, that's the direction that you're going, right? You're going to have a release of anointing, vision, freedom, and a release of the year of the Lord. That's going to be released over your life. What does that mean? We know what anointing is. We know what vision is. We know what healing is. But what does it mean when Jesus says, the Spirit of God is on me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Well, to understand that, we need to look at this word Shemitah. And to understand this word Shemitah, we need to go back 3,500 years to a country called Egypt. For 410 years, roughly, the Israelite nation were slaves in a country called Egypt. For 400 years, that's 20 generations, right? That's you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, their children, their children, their children, their children, their children, 
their children and that's halfway. Who knows when there's 20 years of slavery in the family, who knows by generation 18, it's stuck in there, right? For 400 years, these people are slaves. They had no annual leave. There was no such thing as sick leave. They didn't get paid parental leave. They didn't own anything of their own. They were slaves for 400 years. Then God comes and he hear, the Bible says that he hears the cry of the nation. And God comes and God's this great redeemer, this great rescuer. And so God chooses a man named Moses to go to Moses to say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, ooh, baby, let my people go. Uh. Pharaoh says, no. And so God says, oh, I'm going to send some plagues. You know, I'm, so the river goes red. Uh, frogs come in, you know, locusts along the land. Everyone gets given Brisbane Broncos memberships, right? This plague comes in. No! <laughs> Any Broncos fans in the place? One. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, they're all hiding. That's what it is. I'm a Manchester United man myself. Oh. There's two kinds of people in the world, Pastor James. Manchester United supporters and those that want to be Manchester United supporters. And so God sends Moses. Moses rescues the people, about three million in total leave Egypt. And you know, God being the great redeemer, he doesn't want to just take Egypt. He doesn't want to just take people out of Egypt. He doesn't want to just take people who own nothing out of a land, but he wants to take them to a land where they do own. You know that you worship a God that he doesn't want to just free you from sin. He doesn't want to just free you, right, from oppression, but he wants to give life to you, right? We have that kind of God. We worship that kind of God. Before they get to the promised land, they get to a mountain called Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, God gives 10, 10 rules to life, you know, uh, 10, 10 things to do and you'll be blessed. We, we know them as the 10 commandments. But what we don't really talk about much is God actually gives another five rules. He gives another five things to the Israelites at Mount Sinai that will help them have the release of God's anointing in their life moving forward. And I want to show you some of these things. We see the first one in Leviticus 25 says this, that while Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, give the following instruction to the people of Israel. When you've entered the land I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. Everyone say seventh. For six years, you may plant in your fields, but during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. In Deuteronomy, at the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. And everyone said, amen. The bank said, <laughs> right? Uh, Deuteronomy 15, 12. If a fellow Hebrew sells himself or herself to be your servant, and serves you for six years, in the seventh year, you must set that servant free. Leviticus 25, be assured I'm sending my blessing for you in the sixth year, so that the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, you'll still be eating from that large crop in the sixth year. In fact, you'll still be eating from that large crop in the ninth year. We'll get to that in a second. Deuteronomy, then Moses gave this command at the end of every seventh year, the, the year of release, there it is, the year of the Lord's favor. You must read this book of instruction to all the people of Israel. Call them all together so they may hear this book of instruction and learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey. The word Shemitah just means seventh. That's what it means. It means seventh. The number seven was important in Hebraic culture. Seven wasn't just a numeral, but it also had a cognitive meaning. Uh, seven means to fulfill an oath. Seven is the number of completion. Uh, God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. The seventh day is called the Sabbath or the day of rest or the day of 
release. Seven was the number of statements that Jesus made on the cross. Seven is the number of of petitions that we find in the Lord's prayer. The Shemitah was the seventh year in which the Jewish nation had to follow all of five things. The first one being that the land had to rest. You have to have a Sabbath year, right? Where on the seventh year, you'd plant no crops. No one in your household works. Everyone takes a holiday, right? And everyone says, amen, right? How cool would that be, right? That was the first thing. You must have a whole year of rest, of recuperation, of recovery, of recreation. The second thing is that they had to release all debts. And so if you owed money to someone, they would forgive that debt. If, if someone owed money to you, you would forgive that debt. It was money. Jesus comes later on in the New Testament and he says, actually pray like this. Lord, forgive my debts as I forgive those who have a debt against me, right? So Jesus takes it one step further. And it's not just monetary anymore, but it's social. It's relational, right? It's, it, it, it's, it's something spiritual on the inside. And so, but every seven years, they had to release any debts, right? This is a debt-free place. The third thing was the redemption of land and people, meaning this, that if I had to sell you some property to fix up some debts in the six years, on the seventh year, I'm going to get that land back. Meaning this, I never lose. You need to understand that when you follow Jesus, you never lose, right? If there were things that were taken away from you, right? Maybe last year, joy was taken from your life. I'm here to tell you that in Jesus, we find joy and Jesus gives it back, right? Maybe someone took something of you, right? Some confidence or stole something, maybe a dream. You need to know this morning that Jesus gives back what was stolen. And so every seven years, they had to release the land back. They had to release slaves, right? If someone became a slave to you because they owed you money, but they had no money until they gave themselves to you, then after seven years, you had to release the slave. The word redeem, the, the, uh, the word redeem means to buy back and give freedom, right? And so every seven years, there was a, there was a releasing of freedom in the land. You know, the Bible says that you are slaves to sin. I'm a slave to sin. But who knows that Jesus is the great redeemer, right? Jesus paid the price on the cross where he says, I'm going to purchase you. Then I'm going to give you your freedom. Jesus is the great redeemer. The fourth thing is I had to rely on God. Remember, seventh year, they're not planting anything. There's no food. But this is what God says. You can, and you can read it if you want to go back. I'm, I'm, I'm at home and read further. It says if you don't do this, there's actually consequences to it. But, but God says this. He says, for six years, if you follow my ways for six years, I'm going to bless you so much that in year seven, when you have no food, you're going to be eating from year six because there's blessing. In fact, I'm going to bless you so much. If you live in righteousness and follow my ways, I'm going to bless you so much in year eight, when you're starting to plant your crops again, you're still going to be eating from year six. In fact, if you follow my tenants, if you, if you observe the commands, I'm going to bless you so much in year six that you're going to eat in year seven, in year eight, and in year nine, right? God, every, five, every seven years, there was a moment of faith in the, Israel, in, the, in the Israelite nation. There was a moment where they had to rely on God. And the fifth thing was that they, every seven years, God said there has to be a reverence of the power of God. Let me tell you, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? There is power when his church lives in righteousness. 
not in self-righteousness, but in righteousness in terms of I fear the power of God, not as in I'm scared of God, right? But there's a reverence toward God being all powerful and almighty. And so out of my love for that, I'm going to do what God says, right? This is what they had to do every seven years. They had to do this. And God said, when you do this, there's a flow of anointing. Now, here's a fun fact for you. In 2022, it is the actual Shemitah year. How cool is that, right? I want to tell you that Church Unlimited this year is living in a year of release. You are living in the, your, in the Lord's year this year, right? I'm believing for a release of souls in this place. I'm believing for a release of miracles, for a release of vision, right? That this church would rise up and do what Jesus has called it to do. The Shemitah year is the year of release. It's the year of the Lord's anointing and the year of the Lord's favor. So what did Jesus mean when Jesus said that? When Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord's on me, He's anointed me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, the year of release. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim Shemitah. What did Jesus mean when He said that? Because it was so controversial. I'll tell you what Jesus was meaning. He was meaning this. You know what? You don't have to wait every seven years to have freedom anymore. You don't have to wait every seven years for a release of the Spirit anymore. You don't have to wait every seven years to be forgiven. You don't have to wait every seven years to learn how to have rest. You don't have to wait every seven years to be redeemed, to be set free from sin. You don't need to wait every seven years right, to do that because right now, I am the year of release. Meaning this, that right now in Jesus, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. Right? You don't have to wait until later on to experience a miracle in God. But right now, as long as we say yes to Jesus and follow who He is, right? Jesus is our Shemitah year. Every year, every day, you can walk in the presence and the power of God. Isn't that something to say amen to? Come on. Jesus is your freedom all the time. He's your freedom every single day. So here's the question then. How do I make sure that I don't damn Jesus up, right? If Jesus is my Shemitah year every day, if He is my year of release, if He is my year of favour, if He is my year of vision, if He's my year of healing, if He's my year of releasing the anointing, how do I make sure that I don't fall out of the flow? Because like what I said, you can do two things with Jesus this year. You can damn Jesus or you can let Jesus do what Jesus wants to do. One of them will bring life and increase. The other one brings decay, right? You get to choose. So number one, how do I follow Jesus? Number one, here it is. Number one, don't damn Jesus. Real simple. Right? John, 14, uh, John 4, 14 says this, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I was brought up in central Queensland. And uh, there was farms everywhere and everyone knew farmers and, and you, your friends were farmers. And so I spent my childhood swimming in farm dams, right? Little tiny bodies of water that were all dammed up. And, you know, it wasn't that pleasant during summer, but you still went for a swim. You know, you found the dam, you, went, you ran down to the dam and, and you jumped in the water. But because the water was dammed up, because there was no flow, the heat of the sun would heat the water up. And so you jump in the water thinking you're going to get all fresh. You jump in and be like, oh, yuck, this is all hot, sticky, that's disgusting. You know, all the animals have been around. So who knows that there's a bit of poo in the water, right? So you jump in the water and it's like, it's all hot. Oh, man, there's poo everywhere. It's poo on me, I sting like poo. And there's all weeds in the bottom. And so you're getting all caught up in the weeds and falling in the pooey water. You can damn Jesus up if you want. 
right? A few weeks ago, some friends of ours in our church took us to a place called Gordon Country, uh, which is just west uh, um, of Ipswich up in the Cunningham um, range. Go there. It's, it's, it's amazing. But we, we went swimming in this flowing river, in this clean flowing river. We jumped in. It was freezing. It was cold. It was refreshing. It wasn't hot. It was flowing, so there was no poo in it, right? There was no weeds to entangle us, right? It was a beautiful time. It was refreshing. This year, let me say, come on, let's, be, let's have a year where we live in the clean, refreshing flow of Jesus, right? Stop finding yourself in bodies of poo. Stop finding yourself in moments of weeds when you're getting tangled up and you can't walk the walk that God's called you. How do we damn Jesus? Three things. Number one, sin, right? Sin is the weed. Sin entangles us, right? When we sin, we're damning up His presence. Mediocrity, that'll always damn Jesus. And apathy, right? Having an intention, but uh, maybe I'll wait till next Sunday. Maybe I'll wait till next life group, connect group. Maybe I'll wait till next time, right? Sin, apathy, and mediocrity will always damn Jesus. Number two, if you want to live in the flow of Jesus, then there needs to be a response to the word of God. You need to respond, right? And action, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. This word here, it doesn't just mean to listen, right? It doesn't just mean to hear. What this word actually means is, now that you've heard, what's your response? That's what the writer is saying, right? Now that you've heard the word of God, right? Uh, what is your response now to the good news of Christ? You need to now decide where you stand, right? Are you going to be on this side or are you going to be on this side? This means that you have a decision to make. You either respond or you don't and both have consequences. Uh, we have some rules in my household. Uh, one is that you've got to read a book every night. Uh, another one is don't say swear words. <laughs> Do you have that rule in your house? Uh, one day my eight-year-old boy said a naughty word and I won't say what word it was, but just think of the worst, second worst word you could think of. That was it, right? He said this word and I walked out and I said, what did you say? And he said it again. Parenting mistake number one, right? <laughs> said this naughty word. And I said, mate, you know the rule here, right? There's consequences when you use this word. And so I took him out to the front yard, my eight-year-old. And uh, I said, listen, you've heard the rules of this house, right? This was a true story. You've heard the rules of this. So I took him outside and I said, see all the houses here? See all these houses? All these houses use that word. I turned him around and said, see this house? This house doesn't use that word. So now that you know, you have a choice to make. Do you want to live with all those people who use this word? Or do you want to live in this house who don't use this word? We haven't seen him for three years. And I hope he's doing well. And uh, no, who knows that he said, Daddy, I want to live with you, right? I said, that's right, right? Get in the house, right? There's an action. Don't just hear the word of God, but do the Word of God, right? What's your response? If you want to live in the flow, then respond to the Word of God toward Jesus. Number three, how do I flow with Jesus? Number three, well, flow with the right company, right? What do you call small groups at Church Unlimited? Grow groups, right? You've got to flow with the right company. Thessalonians says, so encourage each other and build each other up as you're already doing. Let me tell you, in Church Unlimited, right? We have grow groups. We're already doing this, right? It's a place of encouragement. Let me tell you, if you want to have a Jesus here, if you want the Spirit of the Lord to be on you powerfully this year, get into a grow group. 
Get into a space where you're with other people that can help you walk the walk that you've decided to walk. You can't do it alone. The Bible says that the enemy goes around looking for the lonely person, looking for the person not in a grow group. That's what he's doing, right? But when we can get into that small group, when we get into that grow group, right, everyone there has an intention of helping you be the best person that you can be in Jesus, right? Because like what I said, you will rise to the level of your action, not your intention, right? So get into a grow group. Don't wait for someone to ask you, right? Go find out today, right? How about let's make today the biggest influx. Can we handle it today, Pastor James, right? Okay, good, right? Get into a grow group. Don't do 2022 alone, right? Do it with people that love you, that care for you, that will help you get into the river and stay in the flow of Jesus, right? And here's, here's the last thing. You've got to choose to praise. If we can get the band up, that'd be great. You've got to choose to praise, right? There has to be an element of praise in our life. If you want to stay in the flow of Jesus, then we need to learn how to praise Jesus, right? We need to learn how to be in His presence. Psalm says this, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And f- check this out. Forget not all His benefits. You know, when we can find ourselves in an atmosphere or a moment of praise, it helps us remember what Jesus is all about. Have you ever found yourself in a circumstance that was so heavy that you forgot what Jesus was about and all you could think about and meditate on and conjure out all the things that you could only think about was that one dire circumstance? I tell you what, when we can learn as a people to begin to break through and praise, it helps us remember what the year of the Lord is about. Where in my year, there's a release of vision. Where in my year, there's a release of healing. Where in my year, there's a release of hope. You know, there's some people here hoping for some big things this year. You know, maybe a return of a loved one into church, you know. Have hope that this year is that year, right? But we have to begin to praise, right? And maybe you're hoping for your business, right, to, to, to come out of uh, this confinement of COVID, right? When you begin to praise, you remember all the good things that God has done in your life. When you get a little bit of praise on, right, you remember the circumstances. So why don't we stand up this morning? And I, you, you, I want to end this with a little bit of praise, right? Let's be a people that doesn't forget what Jesus is about. Let's have a year where we're in the flow of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.